Moncrief on News Talk. Uh, now, Ireland is dotted with historic houses, which in many cases represent our colonial link with Britain. But this is far from universally the case. And even for those that are, many argue that they are still of cultural worth in Ireland. The MCD founder, Justine Green, owns Ballyvaline House and is a, a Ballyvaline House, I should say, and is a board member of Historic Houses of Ireland. Afternoon, Justin. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I'm actually not the MCD founder. That's another Justin Green. Ah, just, right. Just, okay. <laughs> okay. My mistake. Yeah. Uh, so, no, one, no, no worries. Yeah. Tell us about. Tell us about the, the the history of your house. When was that built? Well, yeah. The, my house um, was built in 1728, and um, by Sir Richard Pine, who is the Lord Chief Justice of Ireland at the time, and um, and he is in, his descendants lived here till 1953, which is when my grandfather purchased the property. Right. Okay. And um, it's, so it, it's it's remained largely in family hands. Well, uh, from the time your grandfather bought it, but prior to that as well, has it? Was it? Yes. Yeah. It was. Yeah. And prior to the Pines, actually, it was owned by the the Barry and the Nagel family, and they had to forfeit their lands, you know, after the um, you know the Cromwellian um, uh, wars. So you know their lands were forfeited, and then. Pine purchased the property in around 1700, just after the Battle of the Boyne. Yeah. The, yeah. the upkeep on that, is that somewhat onerous? Oh, no, it is. It's, it's significant. And, um, you know, we're all very passionate about our, our properties and they're a very, you know, valuable and important Irish cultural resource. And, um, and you know, we, we work very hard to, you know, maintain them and preserve them and safeguard them for the future. And, um, you know, and we've all diversified into you know, many different uh, ways to try and, you know, keep, keep the roof on, on, so to speak. Yeah. The, and does, and many, in terms of like keeping it warm or, you know, insulating it, there's probably a lot of things probably people could do to a modern house that you can't do to a historic house. No, no, absolutely. And, you know, the, 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 many of the houses are protected and you're quite limited with regard to, to what you can do. You can't put double, double glazing into a lot of these old, old properties. So, um, you know, but they do have shutters and, and heavy curtains that actually works just as well as, as double glazing. So, um, yeah, it is, it is a challenge keeping them warm and with the, you know, cost of living crisis now, you know, um, you know, heating, heating properties has become very, very expensive. And we're all, you know, like everybody trying to wean ourselves off fossil fuels and gas and trying to move into renewable uh, energy space. And, um, you know, so that, that's something we're all working hard to, to move towards. Yeah. And so, so what can you do in that regard? Well, you know, we, you know, we also have um, many of the, the historic houses would have you know, a lot of woodland and, 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 you know, timbers fall down during storms. So, you know, we, we burn a timber, which actually is quite controversial at times. Um, but it's very important for the well-being of these old houses because you need to keep the walls warm during the winter and you achieve that by having fires, you know, burning in the chimney breasts, which keep, keep the whole place dry and, and you know, keep, keep the condensation out, out of the building. So, um, you know, we're all, you know, we'd love to move more into and heat pumps and water ground source heating but it, it is very very expensive and um you know we we i'm on the board of the historic houses of ireland and we uh, put on we put on seminars throughout the year for our members to to, to try and um help them find ways of, of improving their heating and we renewable energy which was very well attended and um but it, it's, it's a very expensive thing to do for, for members at the moment so you know we we would welcome um, you know, better, better, more meaningful grants to, to be put in place, so we could have moved move away from fossil fuels and more into renewable energy. Mm, do you st- do you think still think that in Ireland though there's a wee bit of 
people look at these houses and it's the big house and and you know it's it's a reminder of our colonial past oh no for sure and um, that was certainly the case in the past and i think the relationship is changing and then i think there's been a huge renewed interest since bridgerton and downton abbey and people are really fascinated by you know these old authentic um properties and you know that you know many of the historic houses are open to the public and as other gardens and, you know, we, we operate as a historic house B&B, so people come and stay, and many of them host weddings. And people love love to come in, and, you know, they have that sense of mystery that people find really, really interesting. And, and, um, and you know, I, I think the relationship is, is changing now. And, and people recognize that they were built by Irish craftsmen, you know, many hundreds of years ago. And, you know, they are, as I said earlier, a very important um, part of our cultural heritage. Mm. The the uh, but many of the houses. I mean, as I alluded to in the introduction, there they weren't necessarily all British owned. No, well, some of them would have been owned by the old Irish aristocracy. You know, and for example, there's a, there's a house in County Roscommon called Clonalis, and um, it's owned by the O'Connor Nash family, and they they are direct descendants of the last High Kings of Ireland. And it's an incredible story that they actually were able to hold on to their lands, you know, and, um, you know, so that, that's, that's one example. You know, some, some families that owned them would have been of Norman origin. Some would have been, you know, come in during the Elizabethan Tudor period, during the plantations, others after Cromwell. And um, so, you know, it, it's quite a complex um, history. But, you know, many of them are now um, not owned by the original families. I think quite a small proportion are, are owned by the families that actually built the houses. And many would be owned by, you know, for example, the Collison brothers, you know, who own Stripe. They purchased Abbey Leake's house quite recently. And then it's wonderful that, you know, people like that are coming in and, and buying these properties and maintaining them for the future. Yeah. I, I, I imagine, as you alluded to, you know, it's, uh, there's a lot of upkeep there. Uh, plus, uh, so would a lot of the houses be, you know, have had convert themselves into guest houses and that kind of thing just to... Uh, stay in yeah, business. Well, it's, it's mainly it's mainly to to you know um, fend off starvation and keep the roof on the building. You know mm. we've all had to diversify. You know when I grew up um, here, you know my father was was farming and agriculture was very difficult. So we kind of very slowly transitioned into hospitality, and and now we you know host weddings. We have glamping in the summer. We opened a gin distillery in in um, 2015. You know and um, and these are all. Uh, ways to try and maintain and preserve the property. You know, we love, we love, we love the property, and we love sharing it with with people. And and uh, I think when travellers come and stay in a historic house, you know, they really feel they're getting an authentic travel experience. And and um, you know, and, and I think and I think you know, when you go and travel abroad, you want that authentic. You want to connect with where you are. And I think these historic houses offer that in abundance. Yeah. So uh, one of our listeners uh, clearly stayed with you. Uh, and said they do the most incredible gin called Bertha's Revenge. That's right. Yeah, it's very fine, fine gin. And thank, thank you to the listener. And um, you know, there, there are some other houses done similar, similar things. Slane Castle, they've opened a, a whiskey distillery, and Ballykill Cavern House um, produce a very fine craft beer. And um, you know, there, there are lots of houses doing other things like uh, festivals. You know, you have. Stradbally Hall in in County at least you know they do they host the electric picnic every year and um, Liz Navarre down in Carlo have just hosted a Hidden Heart Festival and Killian House is another one that um, in County Me that, that that hosted a um, um, I can't remember the name of it now but it's another music festival and mm. and you know there are all ways of trying to keep 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 the show on the road and keep yeah. it going and um, yeah. yeah who was uh, who was Bertha and why did she need revenge. 
Yeah, well, Bertha was, um, we've named our gin after the oldest cow in the world. And the reason we, we huh. named our gin after a cow is because we're using whey alcohol as our base spirit and whey is derived from milk. And Bertha um, lived near Sneem in Kerry and she died in 1993 at the remarkable age of 48. And she earned an entry into the Guinness Book of World Records. So we're, we're delighted to be bringing her back in spirit. And it's a great marketing story and, and, and um, you know, great story to tell, tell customers. Justin, thanks a million for speaking with us today. That was Justin Green there from uh, Ballyvalane House and a board member of Historic Houses of Ireland. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.